Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the In Squash Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson. It's uh, episode 52 today, the one that I've been teasing for several months, actually, and we fi- finally came to fruition. It's the uh, the Squash Newfoundland episode. Uh, not a place that you typically associate with uh, squash, even in Canada when you uh, when you think about it. Uh, but uh, there's a deep, deep history there. I have an affinity with uh, with the province. Uh, Newfoundland is a beautiful place. I'm sure uh, if any of you who've been there, uh, uh, any of you who have been there can attest to that. And um, I fell in love uh, with Newfoundland way back, um, I guess it would have been in my middle school days or later, early, early high school. Um, <coughs> uh, in, in middle school, I went there on a uh, March break uh, trip to visit my aunt and uncle and uh, my uncle had uh, earlier on introduced me to the game and by the time I had uh, shown up there for the March break I was fairly uh, I was winning junior tournaments in my province and um, got to Newfoundland and uh, he took me out to play a few times and at his club and uh, the people were great and I'll never forget uh, those days on the squash court in Newfoundland and I think uh, from that point on uh, with the friends that I met there the juniors and the senior players and the club and the atmosphere of the province uh, uh, quite a different uh, dynamic and uh, a really different way of life different uh, people are just so friendly and so nice and and uh, they have uh, a certain way of uh, talking and uh, the way they live their lives is uh, quite unique and I, I became uh, I guess I fell in love with that, and uh, later on I would end up going uh, to university there, uh, Memorial University, uh, did my bachelor's degree uh, there, played for their provincial team several times in the national team championships as a result, and um, became very close friends with the two guys that are on the podcast today, both of, you, both of whom uh, uh, have played squash for the uh, at a provincial level uh, for Newfoundland over the years uh, Steve Gardner a good friend of mine um, played since he, he was a junior uh, represented Newfoundland as a junior uh, and has uh, been a part of squash Newfoundland for many many uh, years and up until this day and I believe he's uh, part of a group that's attempting to build a new club there uh, Squash in Atlantic Canada right now is starting to thrive again, particularly uh, in New Brunswick, uh, which is sort of in the center of it all. They have this very, very nice new uh, squash facility, and that's kind of breathed uh, um, a bit of fresh air and some new life into squash in Atlantic Canada. It could uh, actually at some point be a uh, center of, uh, you know, a national team training center or, or an Atlantic region uh, uh, elite training center. It's that nice there. Apparently, I've never been there, but uh, always squash in New Brunswick has been great. But um, back in the day, everyone, uh, all of the provinces in in the Atlantic's were very tight. Uh, we would uh, participate in each other's tournaments, so it would be there'd be something on almost every weekend. A little further away uh, is uh, Newfoundland, but they would always come and uh, participate in. at least one event every month and uh, typically several uh, people from the mainland as we're uh, we're called mainlanders uh, 
uh, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, even Prince Edward Island, I guess, uh, we would uh, visit uh, Newfoundland for an event uh, once or twice, maybe three, three times a year. Um, and so, yes, uh, with this new facility, that what I'm getting at is uh, Steve Gardner is attempting to, and the group, I think, that's uh, with Steve, they're attempting to uh, build a, a new club that could once again uh, provide the, the type of venue that would be able to uh, support and uh, bring in uh, tournaments, uh, even professional tournaments, uh, uh, to host those events and to bring that back to what it was like back in the day. And the second guest on uh, the Squash Newfoundland podcast, arguably one of the, uh, arguably the best player to ever come out of uh, Newfoundland. I mean, he competed with the, the top players in that province, the best players that you can think of, and beat them when he was in his uh, prime and when he was playing his best squash. Uh, there were a few years where he stopped playing and then came back and still competed well. Uh, definitely the top junior to come out of the province. Uh, I think maybe the first top junior to come out of that province uh, uh, back when he was in his juniors and then went on into ha to have a very, very successful uh, provincial and Atlantic regional uh, open uh, squash career. Dave Feeder is our guest, and he's quite the historian as well. In fact, um, as you'll, you'll hear during the podcast, I think he even came with notes uh, and did some research for this. So I'm really, really uh, impressed that Steve is more off the cuff and uh, there knows his stuff. He's been around the game for years, loves the game, and uh, is still actively involved. So uh, the, with the two of them, we have a very special episode. Uh, I really encourage you to listen, even if you're not um, <coughs> not at all interested in, in Squash Canada or Newfoundland. Uh, um, but anyways, um, now, uh, before we get into that, though, yesterday uh, I watched the final of the, uh, the Vass uh, Chanel <coughs> uh, event, and what a final it was, uh, uh, Tarek Momin versus uh, Ali Farag, and uh, I mean, both guys played well to get to the final, and the final did not uh, disappoint. The only disappointing thing, I think, uh, probably for a lot of people, might have been uh, the officiating, which uh, Joey uh, Barrington and Simon uh, had alluded to several times during the podcast. A, a few head scratchers uh, in that match, and many throughout the event. But it seemed uh, towards the end they got it right. But, uh, of course, uh, it was only fitting to have uh, the match end on a uh, debatable uh, no-let call against uh, Ali Farag. The ball was super tight. It looked like um, uh, Tarek uh, had cleared. Um, it was a bit harsh. Maybe, you know, Al, uh, maybe a let should have been uh, given there. But... Uh, uh, an earlier call before that where Tarek uh, uh, asked to play a let anyways when the ball they thought might have been down. Uh, Tarek just said play a let uh, uh, off a shot that uh, Ali thought had hit the tin. Very, very sporting of him. Uh, but the, the quality of the squash from both players was amazing. But uh, for me, I uh, hadn't really watch too many of Tarek's matches over the years. I really, you know, obviously he's a very, very talented player, top four player in the world, but this was incredible. Um, re newfound respect for him, as I mentioned on uh, on Twitter. Uh, not only is he feisty, which we all knew, 
going in, very attacking, super fast, super intense, uh, plays with pressure, plays with, uh, with pace, uh, incredible creativity. He had it all uh, in this event, uh, not losing a game to the final and then uh, uh, having to play uh, probably his best squash to beat a very in form and very uh, obviously very talented uh, uh, Ali Farag who played some incredible squash. I mean the lob, the, the way he was moving the ball around the court and moving around the court himself was something uh, you hard, you rarely see and it's uh, his game is uh, quite unique as well. So two unique uh, styles of play uh, made for an incredible uh, match of squash and uh, congratulations to Tarek on the big win. His first win, uh, I guess ma I didn't realize it and I'm sure most of the people who were watching that match didn't realize it, but a guy in the top four you'd figured would have won uh, a tournament here and there over the last few years, but that was his first win in four years. So uh, congratulations to Tarek on that I incredible win and what a, what a great match that was. Uh, a few uh, head-scratching calls there, but <coughs> none of which I think uh, determined the outcome of the match. Uh, there were a few that I felt uh, earlier on in the tournament that may have affected the match. I thought uh, um, Baggy's match against Macon, uh, those calls there came at really bad times, and uh, especially uh, in that game where uh, Shorbaggy got the conduct stroke. Um, <coughs> I thought that was harsh, and uh, along with uh, the extremely poor decision-making that led to it, and then followed it as well so uh there in that match i think it could have uh you know had had Sherbaggy won the game it may have changed the outcome but uh not to take anything away from Macon he played wonderfully well and then uh followed it up with a great match uh i felt against um Eli Diego Elias uh just couldn't hang in there with him <coughs> but anyways uh now let's get on to this podcast uh, really uh, looking forward to listening to this one again. Um, squash Newfoundland, the history of Squash Newfoundland with uh, two guests, our two guests, Steve Gardner and Dave Feeder. <laughs> How no, you doing, we're doing We're doing great. I was great. just showing him the, the non-traditional packaging that Tweed are, are using here. And it, uh, the new performance enhancers. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, Feed, you've been waiting for this for years, I know. I have. <laughs> I missed out in my prime on it. Imagine if we could have had that as performance enhancers back then. Well, uh, well, we did back in the day. It's just, uh, I know. you know, no one really sort of knew what we were doing. Definitely not. Only, only guards and, and, and Bubba. He was way ahead of me. They were way ahead of their times, right? <laughs> exactly. Good to hear your voice, Dave. How you nice doing? Nice to hear yours. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you know much about my, uh, well, you probably don't know. You don't, do you know what a podcast is? Uh, a little bit, yeah. It goes okay. all around I, the world. I mean, right? knowing uh, how much you love sports, you'd love podcasts uh, because, I mean, everyone's got one now, um, sure. including me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I've got, uh, this is episode, this will be episode 52. It's, um, I've had all the best, like a lot of the best players in the world uh on my squash podcast but sure. uh, and i've also been bumped a couple of times sorry for higher up people i'm sorry we've been bumped a couple of times by higher up people well right? uh, no i wouldn't <laughs> say that i i've been i've been uh 
uh, promoting this podcast for months. I, this I episode know. for months, and, and the people are waiting. I just, I mean, right. uh, you know, it, it finally, finally coming to fruition. And, for sure. Uh, you know, I, I know for me that this, this is the one I've been waiting for. Steve, me too. Test to that. Indeed, indeed, and I appreciate uh, Jerry your tenacity and commitment to get it, to get it on the go. Feeds and- brought notes. <laughs> I prepared. Yes, I'm, right. I'm more seat of my pants. Well, uh, you know, uh, the, the two of you together are exactly who we want on this podcast. Episode 51, we've got uh, uh, today, uh, we're going to be talking Newfoundland squash. And uh, two guys, uh, no better than uh, these two guys to come in and do that for us. Uh, Steve Gardner, he's a former provincial junior uh uh, player for for Team Newfoundland uh, has always been a, a top ten men's open player while he was playing uh, competitively and a significant uh, member of Squash Newfoundland since his youth, along with uh, Squash Newfoundland legend. If, if I know I know he won't like me saying that, but he is uh, several time provincial team uh, uh, member for for Newfoundland junior boys uh, team member on several occasions, Atlantic Open, Newfoundland Open, you name any tournament on the East Coast, and he's won it. Uh, Dave Feeder and Steve Gardner. Here, boys, here. boys, thanks so much for coming on. Thank our, you for having us. Our pleasure, Jerry. Thanks for having us. Yes, now, I mean, for me, uh, just a little backstory on my uh, affinity with um, with Squash Newfoundland. I I uh, got my first taste of it way back. I guess it would have been the early 80s. My uncle introduced me to the game. And uh, I really, not only did I grow to love the game, but I grew to love your province and the city of St. John's uh, and the, the squash community there. I, I, uh, and they, I think, actually, I met you, Steve, uh, back then as well. You probably don't remember, but I, I do remember meeting you. And I met your dad as well. Uh, yeah, no, I, do, I certainly do remember. And then laterally, Jerry, I guess when you came over to study at Memorial, uh, yeah. your first degree, and then that, that's when we became friends and squash colleagues, per se. Absolutely. And, uh, and Feeds was one of the guys, he, he was a bit older than me back then. And, uh, and like you, probably, uh, Steve looked up to him, uh, one of the good player, uh, great players uh, coming out of the junior ranks, and then uh, went on to have a, a great, uh, some great years uh, competing against the likes of uh, uh, the greats like uh, Tulse Chapman, Eamon O'Brien. Indeed. Yeah, Indeed. For sure. Now, uh, what I'd like to uh, sort of get into and something which I, you know, I, I probably don't know very much about, but you guys would, is uh, just the, the beginnings of, uh, of squash in Newfoundland. I mean, when we talk about squash, we think, you know, the powerhouse provinces, Ontario, Alberta, BC, uh, but definitely squash has always had a, a great, uh, great squash community and, and a, great, um, uh, a great life of its own in Newfoundland. Well, uh, Fellas, where, uh, where did it all begin uh, back in the day? Uh, Jerry, I spoke to Tolls, yeah. and he said when, uh, when Memorial Park... Chapman, legend of the game. Right. Yeah. And he was, uh, when he was doing, started his, you know, uh, degree at Memorial, the phys ed department built, was building, it was just coming into its own. I, I think, when did the... University opened. Uh, uh, no, no, 51. the uh, fifty-one. In nineteen fifty-one, the university changed from 
uh, a college to a university and 10 years later they added facilities like, like a swimming pool so they could compete you know in the Atlantic provinces yeah and uh, they they introduced four squash courts mm -hmm. three, three, three squash, squash courts and so Tolst started there and behind the the organizers uh, it was mainly uh, Doug Eaton who was a professor of physical education at the right. university. And John Royal and Ray Gallagher, Jim Russell, Durham Bennett. Yes, and, and, and I guess my father, uh, Peter Gardner, who was also uh, a professor there, Jerry, who would have come over here in the, in the mid to late 50s from England and okay. uh, also joined that initial group in, in establishing not only the courts themselves, but as you know, the community that falls in thereafter. The, 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 the squash ladders, the, the, the challenges on the weekend, and then ultimately tournaments and team selection that would have sent them to the mainland. And I guess uh, from there, that's where the, uh, the private club uh, clubs uh, came, came to fruition, yeah? Yes. Jerry, in 62, I got it written here, that was the other page. In 1962, it said the first of three buildings were built uh, on the campus besides the main arts building. Yeah. And one of them was the physical education building. Okay. And... In the phys ed building was the new, you know, there was the gymnasium and then the swimming pool and the squash courts. I mean, I can still, uh, I can still remember. I used to do, uh, uh, secretly do my court sprints in their feeds. Did you? <laughs> That's impressive. So. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's true. And I, I'd go down there. I mean, they were great courts. It was, you know, uh, the old dungeon style court. But yeah, I'd always bump, in, yeah. Yeah. I bump into Rod Snow and those guys playing squash. Sure. <laughs> and then, so 62, the courts were built. But in the late 40s, when the Americans were here at Fort Pepperell down in Kitty Vitty and the Air Force, uh, the Air Force uh, station in Harmon, which was Stephenville, there were squash courts out there as well. Right. Indeed. Yeah. And I guess we'd be remiss too. I think, David, uh, there's a significant Air Force base uh, on Labrador. For those of you who don't know the geography of Newfoundland, we are an island province, but we also own a significant piece of the Canadian mainland attached to Quebec. And on that mainland area called Labrador, there's a, a significant uh, Canadian Forces Air Base in a place called Goose Bay. And okay. they would have uh, I've had two squash courts there. And um, you would have lots of um, uh, European service people, uh, yeah. particularly the Brits, who would be going and flying through there and manning uh, that base from time to time. And that would also have been a, uh, an active squash area, as, as Dave said, besides those in Stephenville uh, on the west coast of Newfoundland. So I get uh, back in the day then, uh, the, through the efforts of the, the men you just mentioned, uh, they would have uh, tried to bring these guys together at the time and maybe, uh, maybe the beginnings of a competitive squash. Uh, sure. I think what... I think what it was, 61 or 62, the buildings were built. 62 or 63, you know, the students played there. And then Ray Gallagher and Steve's dad, Peter, and uh, John Royal and set up the Newfoundland Squash Rackets Association. And right. it was called the St. John Squash Club Outer Memorial. Okay. And Ray Gallagher was his first president. And Ted Goodrich, Mike's dad, was involved in it, and Peter and John Royal. And they okay. formed, you know, uh, I mean, these, the these are all names of guys that, that, that played for years and then 
like like Steve and like uh, Mike and Buzz, uh, those guys also came through the junior ranks. So this is no really question. the beginnings of uh, squash Newfoundland, isn't it? Right, yes. And then apparently in 1967, uh, seven or eight of them went up to a, a Toronto Centennial. It was the centennial year of, of uh, a tournament. And they all did, Tulsa, I think, won, won the tournament in 67 up there. Holy Lord. Okay. And then Ray Gallagher went up there and Mr. How Goodrich. How was he then? <laughs> uh, 67. He was still a student probably. Okay. Yeah. 27, 28. Uh, yeah. He would, he would have been, I'd, I'd say, yeah, he would have been mid twenties. It would have been pre, uh, he went to Ohio state, I believe, and got his master's. So it would have been pre masters. And, yeah. uh, and then, and then ultimately came back and became a full, professors, you know, Jerry, in, in physical education, we'd be remiss in also not saying Tolson Chapman, in terms of, of not a squash player, not a squash athlete, but in terms of this island, Eastern Canada, or, or Canadian athletes, Tols, uh played high-level hockey. He had an NHL tryout down in Chicago uh, after he graduated from the Ohio State University. <laughs> yeah. um, and also, he would have been a perennial uh, uh, tennis champion in, yeah. in uh, men's open tennis. And then, laterally, of course, I think you know Jerry, he wound up um, right. 55 and over 15. Yes, yeah, he wound up as a Canadian uh, 55 and over champion in 96, 97, 98. And uh, did he not play in the Worlds at some point yep. as well? Yeah. Maybe over in England or something. So, I mean, it's just a Top, top flight athlete. And this is what we were feeding off down here, Jerry. We throw around the names Mike Goodridge, uh, Andrew Goodridge, Tony Goodridge, David Feeder, Robert O'Keefe. Um, we Ralph looked Chapman. up. To, Ralph Chapman, of course, yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. Tolson's son. We looked up to these guys. We always had lots of court time with them. And, uh, and Miller Air, I guess, is another one uh, yeah. who, who eventually got us all up to the mainland. And, and then we. I remember playing, uh, I played uh, uh, at the Junior Nationals in Ajax, Ontario. I played uh, two two Newfoundlanders in the tournament, David Guy and um, um, what was his name? Courage, Adam Courage. Adam Courage. Yeah, they're also part of the same same, uh, cohort, you might say. And uh, we were very fortunate. We had parents, Miller Ear, Doug Mason, my dad, Mr. Bennett. John Moore. who would bring us up to these tournaments. And then, of course, Jerry, you know yourself, squash is no different than any other competitive sport. Uh, You can train all you want. You can play amongst yourselves all you want. But at the end of the day, you need competition to advance your skill set. Absolutely, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, uh, the Atlantic provinces, uh, we always had had trouble when we traveled uh, to uh, to Ontario or, or Quebec or BC, and their best players were were much better than us. But, uh, once you got below that that top tier, it was quite you know quite competitive a lot of the time. Agreed, agreed. Yeah. Now uh, I, I was going to mention um, I was going to bring up uh, Tols. I mean, uh, uh, just to talk to talk about him a little bit as a, as a as a topic on the podcast. He uh, I was going to mention as you did, uh, arguably uh, and maybe maybe it isn't, and maybe it's without question uh, the greatest athlete in Newfoundland uh, history, and he just so happened to be. Uh, maybe Newfoundland's greatest squash player. Um, and he's had, I mean, he's had some of the greatest matches I've ever seen. 
Uh, you might remember this one, Gus. I think you were both there. It was the Atlantic Open. It would have been 1985 or 86. And he played a guy by the name of David Bevan who dominated uh, uh, squash in Nova Scotia and in the uh, the Maritimes at the time. And it was the match unlike I'd ever seen before. I think it went back and forth. It was uh, the first four games, like 1-9, 9-1, Love nine, nine nothing, a couple nine, of nine nothing, and then in the fifth, uh, Tulse was up, uh, and I and actually Dave Bevan's a friend of mine on Facebook, and I asked him about it. I thought it was love eight. I thought Tulse was up eight love in the fifth, but he it was, he said it was three eight. So uh, he was up. Tulse was up eight three, and uh, Bevan came back to beat him ten eight in the fifth. Yeah, no, that, for sure. Yeah. That, that was, was that like the cra- craziest match I've ever seen. Greatest match. One of the greatest matches I've ever seen. Pros included. No question. High-level high squash uh, for, for, for the time. Jerry, was that chap Bevan? Was he from Nova Scotia or nope. was he not a Brit? He was no, he's from, from England. Uh, and he's, he was a French professor at Acadia. Then he moved to gotcha. – uh, then he went to Western after that. Right. But, uh, and, yeah, and we were fortunate, I guess, Jerry, because of – the, the immigrant pattern here in Newfoundland with a very strong English and Irish um, uh, background. Um, so many of the initial squash players uh, were of direct English descent. And uh, then, you know, with, with a great squash tradition in England and throughout the UK, then we benefited from, from that. And as, as Dave would attest, early days at the Fort William Racquet Club. Uh, what a great club pride. that was. Yeah, one of the first oh, yeah. private clubs uh, around, first private sports clubs of any any nature. Uh, it, it was uh, lined with Brits at, at the bar uh, at, at the end of the evening, and I think it made for a great uh, social uh, occasion in, in all yeah, of I mean, all. I just I remember as a kid uh, what a cast of characters there were at, at Fort William. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, you know, you got the guy, all, all the great players, but then then the C and D players. I met I met a few guys. Uh, the Spurl brothers. Yes. Yeah, Billy and Dave. <laughs> they were, yeah, they were, they were great. <laughs> Reg Doftel, yeah. Reg Doftel, yeah, yeah. yeah. Legend, legend. Dick legend. Spellacy. Dick Spellacy. Well, Spellacy, yeah. It wasn't uh, – what happened with the uh, millionaire, right? It's something. Yeah, we won't go there. We won't, we won't go, go there. Uh, we won't oh. go there, Jerry. We'd have to get court transcripts out. But, no, Dick was a great guy, uh, a great supporter of the sport. Here. Generous he, beyond all. Yeah, well, for sure, yeah captain who came here and worked for the Crosby family and uh and is still uh, around to the day you, you can see him from uh from time to time but a great supporter of all the, the clubs and the tournaments and whenever he could help out uh, financially uh, or with his background uh, he, he was always there and Jerry Hodge and Jess too with the amount of time they put in to taking people oh, away sure. yeah well he- Hodge uh, Miss Ann and Jess none uh, uh, both in terms of administrative uh things and uh, officiating as well denise ferry uh they True, did, yes they did great stuff but getting back to uh to tulse i mean dave uh, when i when i um arrived in newfoundland he was definitely well past his prime and i you know towards the end of my few years there i uh, managed a couple of wins but uh uh he was just incredible you would have had to have uh, played him and and competed against uh, him when he was maybe Maybe a little still bit past his prime, past but his prime, had exactly. his best. Uh, I mean, still, still the level was still high for right, sure. Uh, when when you think of Tolson, when all those match, I mean, I've I've seen you play him several times, and it was always a 
more of a mental battle, uh, I think. Uh, it was. It's like playing against uh, Tulsa in those tough matches on the biggest stage in, uh, in St. John's. It was so hard because he'd helped me so much. And in one way, you know, you're the student and he's the teacher. Yeah. And you wanted to beat him, but yet in some way you didn't want to beat him. And it was always a push-pull, like you said, mentally. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for I, sure. I felt the same, Jerry. I, I mean, I, I obviously wasn't playing around uh, on, the, on the late Saturday or Sunday rounds uh, in A-squash, um, just more so just kind of getting trying to get out of the first round against the big boys. But I did get Tulls. Uh, latter stages of his career, maybe even like in the last year or two. So the guy is at that point, like late fifties. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And I'm early twenties. Um, and I, uh, you know, I would have been up to one quarterfinals of a tournament and then you go outside and you realize what's about to happen. And you know what? <laughs> I never, ever, ever beat that man in an open tournament. I beat him in training several times. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he had that aura about him he and, and that uh, he just kind of made you uneasy. He, yeah. He'd give you that little flicker of, of a smile and a, and a wink. wink exactly. And he'd keep yeah, telling yeah. you he had no legs, no legs, no legs. Yeah, <laughs> he had no legs. And I had my left lung on my arm by the right. end of it. Well, I, I think the, the, the funniest thing, that uh, one of my best memories was, um, I think it was maybe the first time I'd ever beaten him. Uh, and I forget which tournament it was, but he was again, well past his prime. And uh, at the end of the match, uh, we shook hands. Uh, and you know what he said to me? What? You can't beat luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. ah, he was. <laughs> yeah, 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 you can't beat good luck. <laughs> you can't beat luck, boy. Yeah, yeah. big game. <laughs> but uh, now, Fita. Yeah, uh, I mean, you've played him several times. Uh, when was the first time you you managed to uh, to to get your first win off of him? And and uh, what was it like after the match? Uh, like with him, was he uh, congratulatory? Did he uh, did he say good game? Or you know, he, he's a very competitive guy. Uh, oh, not just gosh, I've heard great stories about him as a goalkeeper in uh, in yes. uh, ball hockey. Yes, yes, yeah. like Billy Smith. <laughs> high and hard yes yeah. don't stay out of the crease or you get this one right yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh, what were those matches like for you i mean uh obviously they it, it must have been meaningful to uh you know obviously he he coached you a bit but you know i know you you're you're a competitive guy uh, as well and and the win means a lot uh the the year i came back from school my first year of university you know I started to play with him, and it wasn't even close. As Jerry, he took everything early on on the narrow courts. Yeah. You know how he was—he was hard to move off the tee. Obviously, shot as you know. <laughs> and he was so lethal with his hands. His hands—he was so accurate picking oh, balls yeah. off. Yeah. So the whole concept—he changed everything and said, "You know, you in order to beat him, you can't play from behind him." So this was instilled, and you try to do it over time, and then you know, you get better at it as the year goes on. So the first year, first, the first year I was back, I won the first B tournament. And then I said, I'll go in the A tournament, you know, to try. And of course he, he beat me in the, I think it was in the finals, three, nothing, but it was a thrill to get there. Yeah, the yeah. next time, the next time it was three, one. And you know, you knew you were going to lose, but you were working on your game. He was just so polished. Yeah. The Atlantic open came right. and, 
it was now, here. Now, did you have this on? Did you have this on the map at the time? Uh, no, I was going to play, building I, towards, or was it just a coincidence that it was there? And no, it was the first year there. But at that point, you, you needed to win two B tournaments to get to A. Right. And I had won the first B tournament, but I, every, I was saving my all my other B tournaments to get to the Atlantics to win the B. And then I made a big decision and said, I'm going to go in the A because if I didn't. I, I would have had to play B again the following year. Anyway, right, right. I played him and I won the first game. You always win the first game against Tulsa when you're playing well because he takes, yeah. you know, he doesn't warm up. He it's drinks. Big his, belly. He doesn't take, it takes him a while to no, warm up. No, he eats his chocolate bar, right? <laughs> and he drinks his Pepsi before he goes on. And he uses <laughs> the first game to warm up. And so, you know, you're feeling good and you win the first game. And then the next two games, you know, he was sharp and it was just, okay, I've done my best. And just somehow, I don't remember it. It was just like, you just don't remember anything about it. I remember every point and everything, but I, for some reason, I just, I had lost the uh, idea of me not winning. I didn't think about winning. Yeah. And the next second I knew, I, I beat him 10-9, and the fifth, I think I had about eight match points at 9-8. That's when you started thinking about it. And I didn't think <laughs> about it. I just kept going and going for shots. I said, I, I'm going to, and to this day, I don't, I don't remember how I did it. And after I shook his hand and it was an odd feeling, like you said, you yeah. held him up in such high regard and he was happy for me. He was sad. I was sad and I was elated. And then, but it was a wonderful experience. And like I say, I, I, all I give from how I played the game and why I played the game from then on was because of him. Oh, right. Sure. Tremendous teacher, tremendous competitor, tremendous friend. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, Tulsa was was the greatest. You you know that, Steve. I, I, and uh, uh, not not uh, uh, it, it, you cannot discuss squash in Newfoundland or Eastern Canada, and and leave Tulsa's name out from from the top of the list. He and and again, I I stress, Jerry. Not only was he so proficient at squash, so technically sound. You must extend that to tennis, yeah. a, a provincial, and, and likely in a. Atlantic champion, I can't really nail that one down, but definitely a provincial champion. Uh, besides the hockey, he was a he was a provincial champion at baseball. And racquetball. Yeah. Yes, yeah, racquetball. yes, he was also a rack, top racquetball guy in, in Eastern Canada. But he played he played second base uh, for the Mount Pearl, the, what they call the PA Steelers back yeah. then, and won uh, several provincial championships then with the Caps. Um, you know, a top-notch player with feet. He was as well. So, yeah, just uh, just a great, great all-rounder. And as Feeds suggested, and, 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 and I test again, great guy, mentor of mine. I worked with him at the, the Greenbelt Tennis Club. He was the head coach. I was the assistant coach for a couple of summers there. And uh, he's just one of those guys. He, he, he commanded respect just by his presence. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I can, I can remember the days. I mean, I held him in high regard. Not like you guys, obviously, because I – I'm a CFA uh, type, but I'd go into his office just about every day just to talk to him. Uh, sure. You know, and I'd go in, you know, we'd be talking squash. And then uh, by that time, though, we, he was playing golf, so he didn't want to play squash. No. no. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, I think I'd be remiss in uh, not mentioning another uh, Newfoundland great uh, who competed with you, Dave, and with uh, Tolson, equally as competitive. And in his own way, equally as uh, as great a player, in my opinion, uh, Eamon O'Brien. For sure. Uh, uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, technically, Jerry, I don't know 
how Eamon would have been taught to play with those classical strokes. He learned to speak. Uh, Jeff Hunt yes. had a video, and a video even back then was this VHS. Yes, business. VHS tapes. And yeah. He learned it from his book, and he studied it. Can you imagine? You know that yeah, to yeah. learn a backswing the proper way. Yeah. Anyway, he mastered it because, like Steve said, he was a technician. He had a, a tremendous. He had a very like a textbook uh, swing. Textbook didn't he? swing. Textbook. And to learn it from a video. Yeah, it, it was remarkable. I mean, you'd think that something like that would only come out of like. A, a, a hotbed of, of, of squash in England, Australia, Pakistan, um, you know, the, 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 the initial great countries that kind of came out of the British Raj where, where, where squash was exported around the world. And uh, to the day, he, he's still playing. Is he's he? still out there. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just, saw him today. Yeah. And I was telling him that I was going to talk to you and he wants to hear, you know, the podcast after. So we'll, we'll send him along. And send him a hello, Jerry. We'll, uh, we'll hey, send him the link. And then uh, we're going to come hey, hey, Sean, is, on I mean, he, loved, he loved the drink as well. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> uh, uh, many of the men that we've mentioned in this podcast so far, let's just say, Jerry, they, around the bar later on, they weren't scared of it, were they? <laughs> no, not at all, man, not at all. But uh, O'Brien was a legend. Uh, he was. I don't know if you remember this, uh, Feeds, but I think you were there. We had a like, provincial team practice. It was me, you, uh, Neville Suskin, yes. who was on court with Eamon O'Brien, who, uh, who had had several drinks beforehand. <laughs> do you remember that incident? I do. Eamon was not too happy after uh, Neville uh, ran him around a bit, which no. is un unusual, and uh, it got a bit heated. It just, yeah, <laughs> firecracker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, we had some good times uh, with Eamon. But I, what I'd like you to talk, uh, speak to uh, guys, if you could, because I didn't really get to see a lot of it, but I heard from from my uncle Paul uh, Gardner, who was also one of the one of the top players back. Uh, Back in the day, he would have been top five or top ten uh, A player yeah, sure. back yeah. in the day. Um, you know, you, you always heard about this great sort of really intense, maybe even more intense, obviously, because you had the friendship with, with both of those guys. But uh, the intense rivalry between Eamon and uh, uh, Tulse. Uh, could either one of you uh, or maybe both of you speak to, to that rivalry, which, which I think sort of uh, in squash Newfoundland lore might be one maybe yeah the greatest rivalry in, in the history of that uh, province definitely i guess they bet they battled it out uh, on a number of occasions probably over a good uh, uh, decade to 12 uh, 15 sure. year period and uh, well if they weren't in the finals it was probably only because of uh, the guy sitting next to me here yeah um who kind of spoiled the party for one of them uh but yeah no those those guys went out of tooth and nail contrasting styles contrasting personalities and um you know uh contrasting, let, let, <laughs> contrasting body types. yes contrasting body types uh, uh toes yeah. with kind of the wide large and in charge uh stance across I like that. The large and in charge yeah reminiscent of of, of uh, jonathan power and aiming a, a, a quick-footed uh tactician with, with with like we said beautiful classical strokes and uh, let's just say, you know, uh, when it came to calling lets and, and kind of marginal moves on the court, 
Tulse was a master, master. Oh, for sure. master yeah. of the yeah. delayed exit out yeah. of the front corner. A little hip yeah. or a little, you know, a delayed follow through. Yeah, that, or... that, that, that wide berth on the tee. Right. Yes. And many a time <laughs> did I see Eamon look back over at him and I thought, Rather than a handshake, it was going to go straight to a headlock, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't have gone well. I mean, that that, that would have been interesting. But uh, sure. yeah, the two the two of them uh, had this one this great rivalry, like you said, uh, sort of different personalities, different body types, different games, but always exciting on the court. No question. No question. Now, now um, there are there are a couple of other little uh, things I wanted to mention. Uh, one thing is that uh, obviously uh, uh, the the Newfoundland Open is, is the title I think that most uh, squash guys who grew up playing squash in Newfoundland that's the the coveted uh, trophy. It's the uh, the Sir Leonard is Sir Leonard Ottenbright. Is that right? Uh, Ottenbridge, yeah. Ottenbridge uh, trophy, and I got sure. lucky enough. I think uh, my name might be on it twice, uh, but the feed you must be on there a few times. Uh, who was uh, Leonard Ottenbridge? Uh, Autumn, did you want to talk? Uh, no, but, well, I actually don't know specifically his family connection, but uh, it, it, he was a, a sir. He would have been he would have been knighted uh, uh, by Westminster and and uh, uh, sorry by Buckingham Palace uh, back in the day. I don't think he would have been a native Newfoundlander. No. He would have been um, part of the. Um, the British commissions of government uh, that were here ruling our island. This is all prior, of course, to 1949, before we joined Canada. And um, like in the days... Listen, uh, listen to guards and the history lesson there, Fee. Yes, very impressive. <laughs> like, like Professor Pastore. <laughs> yes, Ralph. <laughs> but not, not squash, player, squash player himself. That's yes. right. Yeah. Not dissimilar to many of the other... Uh, um, sought after trophies uh, in hockey, uh, the Herder Memorial Trophy, um, and and some other sports whereby the trophies would have been named after um, merchant uh, uh, families from Newfoundland, i.e. the Herders. Um, uh, the Boyle Trophy uh, would have been named after a, a, another member of the British Commissions of Government that were sent here. So that that gentleman would have been involved in that capacity and probably a squash player from back in the day. And, and then they would have put the tag on the trophy in recognition of his, uh, of his efforts within the sport, I guess. Well, I remember uh, back when I won it uh, the first time I played Eamon actually in the finals and he again passed his prime, but uh, not, not that far past, but uh, <laughs> I just remember the, the, the trophy being perfect uh, for drinking uh, whatever it was you want to pour into it. I <laughs> Uh, who who was the, uh, the guy's name at the Aqua Arena at the bar? He was uh, he was always Glenn. There. Glenn, that's, that's it. Yeah, he filled it up yeah. with uh, rum and coke for me. So. Yes, <laughs> and the bar right next to the uh, uh, Jerry, the bar right next to Court One, yeah. and you could smoke next to it and actually sit on a bar stool, yeah. smoking and drinking, watching your game. Uh, proper thing, boy. Yeah. Yeah, the good old days, Jerry. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So about 500 degrees on the court. 500 degrees on the court, perfect. Uh, yeah, next to the swimming uh, pool there. Area, sure. Yeah. You make it hotter. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that that trophy was uh, was uh, perfect for for celebrating afterwards. Now, uh, I'm sure. Uh, now, feed, feeds. You might remember. Definitely, you do as well, uh, Steve. Uh, Steve Rogers. Yes. 
Yeah, uh, he was, he was a, killed a, on a motorcycle, right? Died on a motorcycle, and uh, I remember, I'm not, and I'm not sure if the tradition still hold, holds true today, but there was an annual uh, Steve Rogers Memorial Tournament, Memorial, yeah. uh, tournament and also uh, maybe at the end of the year, there was some sort of award for uh, someone who gave back to the game, because I think they did, with enthusiasm, and yeah, yeah for what, sure. Uh, I don't know if you remember anything about Steve, but if you could tell, uh, if you can sort of tell the people here a little bit about Steve Rogers, who he was, and maybe why uh, he left such a uh, lasting impression on, on squash Newfoundland. And sure, I'd actually, I'd, actually Canada, to, actually. I'd actually have to defer to, to Dave on that one. I, I did not know the chap. I could have likely been away at, at school um, I was yeah. on the mainland for some some high school years. Uh, uh, Dave, did you know this chap? Yeah. Okay. Uh, not not real well, Jerry, but uh, you remember him, yes? Oh yeah, I, I remember him. I mean, he was such a good guy, really nice guy. Very, always happy, yeah. contributed. You know, refereed part of the social scene there with Jess and Hodge. I think he was you a know. B level, pretty decent yeah. B level. Was he left handed? I think he was left handed. Left handed, yeah. Uh, played B, like you say, played all the tournaments, would organize uh, some of the players to go away to, you know, the Nova Scotia Open or yeah. uh, a tournament outside, you know, the province. No, I do, I do remember him. And uh, uh, just from what I can remember, uh, this type of uh, memorial uh, tournament for him and also the annual award uh, for, for sure. players to give back, uh, I guess it, it's sort of uh, – uh, something that that he definitely would have been uh, remembered for. Oh, for sure, for yeah. sure. Now uh, these days, uh, how how is squash uh, in Newfoundland uh, these days? Go, how's, how are things yeah. developing there? I'll I'll probably speak to that. But Jerry, uh, I'd be remiss yeah. uh, b uh, before we talk start just creeping into the modern day yeah. uh, if we didn't mention a, a couple of um, key figures as well that we we quickly passed over. Uh, in, in my notes here, and and that would be, of course, uh, the the late great Mag Davis. Of course, um, yes. So not only was squash uh, um, very active uh, uh, for for males back in these formative years, we talking about the seventies and eighties, but I guess then as we broke through into the eighties and nineties, uh, Mag Davis, who is arguably the greatest female athlete that ever came out of Newfoundland. Uh, I stand corrected, but she uh, represented not this province, but this country at field hockey, uh, softball, uh, soccer, and ultimately there wouldn't have been a, a Canadian team going around, but she would have competed at the national level in squash and probably feared in, in the top 10 in the country. Mag was taken uh, from us um, way too early. Uh, I, I guess we're probably – uh, on well over 20 years now since she's passed away. Uh, I know that our, our Christmas Open Tournament, Jerry, uh, is named uh, after Mag. And, uh, you know, there was a couple of supporting cast there, Colleen Tapper. Yeah, well, they, uh, they were very close friends, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Friends. Best friends. Best yeah. friends. And, oh, and, and Colleen, actually, a, great, a great squash player and a great athlete in and of herself. For sure, uh, no, no question. Played, she played most of those. Uh, I guess they would have been uh, on many of the same teams outside of squash as well. For sure. They would have also in the softball, soccer, field hockey area. And I believe actually Meg 
uh, like Tulse, would have picked up golf laterally in life, and then you know, within five years, no one could beat her. <laughs> so I mean, really, yeah. That uh, that doesn't happen anymore. You don't get multi-sport athletes, Jerry, as you know and I know. You read around the world that kids are paired off at twelve and fourteen, and they go into unisport uh, uh, type uh, situations. Which uh, you know, I could speak for an hour about that. And why I think it's a real bad idea. And, uh, yeah, you just don't get those classic athletes uh, anymore. You, you talk about uh, the, the greats like Gretzky. I mean, Gretzky's skates were hung up every year by May 24th weekend. And then he was out playing soccer or lacrosse or baseball. Yeah. And he, he says that uh, his great agility, his peripheral vision, yeah. uh, his ability to read a game and stay calm was because he wound up being proficient in so many sports. And Mag – uh, Davis and uh, and Tulse Chapman um, would certainly be uh, excellent examples of that. Absolutely, yeah, I, I do remember. I mean, Meg was one of the you know she was always around when I was there uh, back back at Memorial. Her and Colleen, I think she may have uh, she may have passed unfortunately right when I right around ninety one or ninety two, wasn't it? Sounds about right. Mid, yeah, yeah, early mid nineties. Yeah, and uh, like you said, I mean, she and Colleen. Uh, or two, probably the top two women's players are right up there in Atlantic Canada, and then they competed Indeed. well uh, within the top ten in Canada as well. Jerry, I, I'll never forget when Mag won the men's B, and the oh, men's oh, yeah. yeah at that yeah. time, yeah. like Kels and Bob Faulkner and these guys. Yeah, were, it was Jack. It you was know, 30, the, 30, 40 guys in the draw, and Mag took them all down. And there was a bit of 13 <laughs> of them that could have won it. It wasn't as if, you know, they were, it was a lower thing. And as Steve said, Mag beat them all. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, I've been out of court with Mag before, and she was the type of girl, it, 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 it all started like fun and games. And, and then when she was down 2-1, she yeah. looked at your right arm as if she was going to start gnawing on it, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Fierce, yeah. Oh, very, fierce. very. Fierce. Yeah, I can. Uh, uh, I remember a few times just uh, doing some training, doing some drills with her, and uh, yeah, couldn't have asked for a better training partner as well. She was, yeah. she was intense, and uh, she. And you show her something new. You know what I mean? She hadn't been doing the drills, and you yeah. do a drill with her that we've done. You know, for two or three years. Yeah. And you could just see in a span of ten or fifteen minutes. She's doing it as well as, you know, you or I. Pure natural. For sure. Speaking of drills, I mean, the, the guy you're sitting next to, uh, Steve, he was the master not only of the drills on the court, but uh, keeping fit uh, off the court uh, for the squash. I mean, you were someone I, I kind of said, I wish I had that, uh, that in me to stay that fit. Dave, uh, I hear you're quite fit these days. Uh, not really. You're just maintaining no. it. So I don't fall apart. Dave spends a lot of time under uh, underneath the bench pushing big weight. Really? Because so so you're not you're not you're not able to to move around the court like you used to. God no. 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 Well, well, guys. Um, now, the squash in in Newfoundland these days. What what's your take on it now? Is it still? Uh, I mean, back when I was at mine and back. Before that, I think they were they were the golden years, you know, uh, sure. some really good years of squash, some great player junior program, uh, good guys coming out of men's A division competing in the Atlantics and uh, across the country. How are things looking now, uh, guys? I, I think it's probably best to kind of give it to you in in uh, kind of five ten year segments. There was a significant drop, Jerry. 
in in squash uh, membership at the uh, the couple of active clubs here in the city. Mm-hmm. And there is a facility that would have been the, in, uh, the Aqua Arena. Yeah, the Aqua Arena one. Uh, the, then down at the Delta Hotel, uh, uh, previously known as the, as the Radisson yes. Hotel. Yep. And there's facility as well uh, out in in Conception Bay South. So we saw a real the drop. Cold, the coldest courts on the planet. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Tulsa. <laughs> I remember I had to play Tulsa. You might have been there. Loader, uh, Lauren Loader, who I saw on CBC at Tweed today. Uh, yes. I invited the first. Uh, Gareth block. was invited to the private party. <laughs> was he? It was a private invitation only party. Holy. I Lord. was there, Jerry. <laughs> and uh, we'll get into that in a minute. But um, yeah, this, uh, this CBS, I remember Loader, uh, uh, Lauren dropped me off and he, you know, we did our whatever we did. And we went in uh, and I played. I told us the courts were so cold. He must have got 20, uh, 27 aces off of lob serves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, it, it, in, in fact, uh, ironically enough, it's one of the shining stars in the squash scene around here. We did take a significant dip. I think it was difficult for the local association to fuse juniors into the senior ranks. And then we just lost a, a, a certain amount of um, the squash playing membership. It became more centralized down at the Delta Hotel. And there was a fair, uh, reasonable level of competition. And, and we were producing decent A players and they were off to the national championships. But um, I'd say it was about six, seven years ago uh, when I moved home, there was literally no competitive play uh, back up the Acarina, which is a, um, a tremendous shift from what we said uh, back in the day when the bar was there and, you know, the, the Newfoundland uh, Labrador uh, Open or the Christmas Open, there'd be 150 people in, in all the combined draws. And uh, it, it went back to them not actually holding a tournament one year. Wow. So what we did uh, was I left the Delta. I was up around the Ack Arena, which is my home club today, where Feeds continues to train out of and help some younger players. Um, is Bubba uh, still working the, the towel desk? No, no. That Bubba moved on well after that, after a couple of unsavory incidents in the hot tub. He's delivering oh. mail, but he's driving his bike in the winter. Okay. In the winter. Okay. In the winter, right? Is he, still, he still has his place on uh, Pennywell, right? Is it Pennywell? Uh, no, I think that's also <laughs> – I think some things have changed in that area, Jerry. Oh, okay. Same old Bubba, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah. So, uh, Aqua Arena is not quite what it yeah, used to be. Yeah, it wasn't quite what, what it was, that's for sure. But uh, uh, myself and a chap by the name of Randall Green, mm-hmm. uh, just a local buddy of mine who's uh, uh, just a recreational squash player, we decided to start a squash league. And basically, our mantra was, uh, come one, come all, uh, we take anyone. And we basically started a Gumby Squash League uh, over the first couple of years. A Gumby, what's a Gumby Squash League? Gumby Squash League. And uh, uh, we took anyone. It was very um, kind of informal, Jerry. People yeah. would come up. We'd spend two, three hours just organizing games. Some people who had never even played before. So we got way, way back into the kind of the grassroots setup. Um, there's now a chap living here from Malaysia by the name of Hong T. Nay. And Hong 
uh, now has taken the reins over and formalized the squash league. We have over 60 people in our squash league That's played great. over two nights uh, yeah. during the week. There's another chap uh, at the club by the name of Craig May, uh, who's the son of Dr. Doug May, a prominent economist at our university uh, mm -hmm. and political pundit. And, uh, and Craig does a Thursday night uh, exclusively, um, uh, a ladies' night, uh, where he's kind of got league play and, and, and lessons going. And uh, he teaches for me. He does. Oh, he's got some, uh, he's, so he's doing some private stuff with, with uh, guys as well. Alex Lai, who's a recent Newfoundland um, Open champion, okay. um, coaches our Winter Games team. Great. We will be sending a team next year to the Winter Games, a full complement of uh, male and, and female players. So I'd, I'd probably just round it up and say uh, it's alive and well back at the Ack Arena. Uh, the Delta great. is pulled back. I think they've closed one of their courts and their membership maybe has dipped. But, yeah, no, we, we've got a very vibrant squash community here in St. John's, and I urge anyone traveling to our city to reach out to the Newfoundland Labrador uh, Squash Association. We can arrange games and uh, core passes for you uh, to come up to the Acarina. And, um, yeah, I mean, we, we like to have a go at the mainlanders anytime down here, Jerry. Absolutely, man. <laughs> and it doesn't get much better. And then you can uh, get um, Greg Healy to screech everyone in. We For could. Sure. We could. Those were the bad when, when we had the uh, the national team championships, uh, and I think it was Greg who uh, at the uh, the social event in the evening that night screeched all the. Uh, they did at Murray's Pond. Everyone loved that, eh? Definitely. Fantastic. Yeah. No question. Yeah. So. Uh, Sorry, Dave. Jim, remember the last thing about that team championship? Remember Tulsa lost to Jim Geddes, who was like the ninth ranked player from BC. Three two. Three to two. A member Tolls came out after after the first game. He said he was tired after the first point. <laughs> Remember? Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. stuck Pepsi in between each thing. It was about an hour and a half game. Three two in the fifth. He lost. Three two in the fifth. Get, right. Getty's Getty's about, about about twenty five years younger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now what I was going to say is uh, uh, back back then, uh, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Prince Edward Island. Uh, and Newfoundland, it, it, it seemed to be sort of one collective. Uh, New Brun and New Brunswick, New Brunswick right now, uh, and Nova Scotia. I think they're they're again things are going well. Like they they compete. Uh, players visit each province uh, every other weekend almost for tournaments because they have this great brand new uh, facility there in Moncton, right. like a 10, 10 court facility. Uh, it's supposed to be amazing. Do you think? Uh, that it's possible now with this re with maybe squash Newfoundland, this new uh, re-energized uh, squash Newfoundland, is it possible to get back into uh, what it used to, the way it used to be? I, I think so, Jerry. So here's the way forward. And here's what's been talked about the, the, like I said, it's things are pretty much centralized up at the Ack arena, but, yeah. but also CBS has a very vibrant uh, squash community and an exceptional junior program out there really and okay. we, we we play back and forth with those guys um particularly on the junior level what has been discussed and i have provided some costing to a group that would build an additional three new courts which would then allow us to get back in the game of holding atlantic or national uh, regional uh, uh, caliber tournaments yeah and first things first we need a new facility or and th this facility 
is being proposed to be built onto the Ack Arena with yeah. additional change rooms. It's a tricky one down around here now, Jerry, with the way the economy is, and that is now part of Memorial University where, where budgets are being strained on our largely uh, publicly funded um, yeah. institution here. But it's been, it's been drawn out. It's been loosely costed. I, I provided costing to a, a group uh, within the university about how the courts would be built, how they would be uh, uh, potentially um, constructed. And uh, in my recent years, when I lived in India, Jerry, uh, a lot of these new court systems um, out of Germany and, and out of America allow for those movable sidewalls. Right. Um, so not only could you have three or four squash courts, but then you flick a switch and then that sidewall moves out very quickly. So the surfaces I know on the new courts that were being built in India were not hardwood. They were some type of polymer, yep. a type of rubber composite that could be easily washed with hot water and soap and yep. uh, wouldn't need a hell of a lot of maintenance. So we That's need those facilities. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We need those facilities first. We need to then bolster the ranks. And like I said at the beginning of the conversation, if you don't have consistent, high-level competition to play against, you're not going to get any better. And if we want to get back to where we were yeah. when we held a hammer in Atlantic Canada and we were putting feeds. Well, feed, feeds, remember, goals. I'll never forget this, when we beat you and me, and I think it was Neville Susskind wearing his high uh, socks or whatever he used to wear. We beat Nova Scotia uh, in the team championships in Ontario. Do you remember we that? Did. Yeah. We do. I, th I think you beat McGuigan. I beat uh, Keith Boyle, and yeah. uh, oh no, I think it was uh, the Andy Wu. That's who it was. It was you and I and Andy Wu. Yes. Okay. In Ontario. Well, those those days, uh, I I don't think are that far around the corner. We just need to get the facilities going, uh, uh, upgraded, and then I think in mass, if we can get a, a larger base of of squash playing members. Hey, listen. We got the athletes down here, Jerry. We've proven it in ice hockey, in rugby, um, in, in tennis, at times in squash, uh, in softball, in ball hockey. We have national elite caliber athletes. I mean, there, it's not that far, far behind. I mean, you had a guy like uh, what's it, uh, Dale, Jonathan Dale, played yeah. really well, played a national, maybe top 10 junior, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I went on and played at West, uh, the University of Western Ontario, and then they would have played through that college, uh, American college circuit at, at times. And, so and the quality has the quality's been there. The quality's been there consistently. It has until, sure. until sort of the, the, maybe the last uh, 10, 15 years or so. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. So, agreed. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, uh, 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 weed has been legalized in Canada for everyone who's listening. And, uh, the first province to, um, to get a taste of it, so to speak, it was uh, Newfoundland, and uh, how how's that? Uh, how's this going to play <laughs> out, fellas? Uh, well, I'm probably in a better position to speak about that. I think <laughs> well, I don't feeds. think I don't think feeds has dawned the day of any of that. <laughs> well, he used to um, talk. A, he used to talk a pretty good game back in the day. I know. Yeah, yeah. I think that's all it was. Smoke and mirrors. Um, <laughs> but yeah, on a more serious note. Um, yeah, I don't have a real big opinion about the legalization of it. Um, um, just simply what has rolled out here certainly is we did sell the first legal gram of marijuana in St. John's. And that was, at, uh, a couple that was on ago. the CBC today. That was at Tweed. 
This place yes, it was Tweed. a store called Tweed, which is, <clears throat> excuse me, the retail arm of a large publicly traded company called Canopy Growth. Uh, and they had quite a fanfare, and they brought in a, a a big band called Broken Social Scene. They played a club one last night to a private concert. So myself and your old buddy Loader attended. Loader was the, on CBC at the counter. It, he was live and large. <laughs> he was live and large there, no question. Uh, I was there as well, Jerry, but uh, well hidden from the live TV cameras, I can assure you. Um, but, yeah, no, it's it's um, it's a decision our government's made and I I suppose they're going to do it right I'd be remiss if I didn't say one thing about the local provincial um, licensing body because it is a provincial concern it's federal law but each province will be responsible for the supply and and delivery (coughs) of the uh, marijuana we signed a lot of big deals Jerry you know with the big publicly traded companies who've come in here and been offered sweet deals with tax credits to build facilities and the like Um, a bit disappointing. You know, we, we're an island-based economy. We, we've had a lot of problems um, with our provincial debt and some uh, f- failed mega projects that have put us in a bad spot. Yep. And I think if they had been a little bit more thoughtful the way that they rolled it out, young, uh, uh, smaller groups, budding entrepreneurs, uh, pardon the pun, um, could have been given a little bit better opportunity to get involved rather than seeing Loblaws, canopy growth, big publicly traded giants uh, whisking through and, uh, you know, pulling those profits uh, back off the island, which has been, of course, uh, kind of a sad story for us at times uh, over our history. Yeah, you'd think, you'd think that they, uh, you know, look back at history and maybe uh, take a different uh, approach. Yeah, I agree. And I think one of the arguments was, well, you know, we wanted to get out in front of it. We wanted to be ready for October the 17th. And we needed, you know, they hired some consultants who told us that we needed a safe, secure supply. Well, I mean, we could have bought that from anywhere to get the ball rolling. Yeah. And uh, like I said, let, let smaller local interests. And there are some who are getting licensed to, to grow and the like. Uh, gonna, I mean, I have no be, interest. Uh, they're they're going to be in tough against bigger. Uh, big, big time. I mean, yeah. some of the facilities, uh, Jerry, they're building will be well over 100,000 square feet. Put that in in kind of relation that's bigger than a a Costco, a typical price club or a huge Walmart store, all automated, uh, 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 20 foot high ceilings. So you'll be having 10 or 15 rows of plants kind of going up and down, uh, these conveyor belts all being fed, uh, water and climate control conditions. It's, it's high tech stuff. Um, Beats beats the hell out of Bubba's, uh, back room. Bubba's back room, homegrown. (laughs) Yeah, how 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 to get a headache and 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 lose twenty dollars in a half hour? Yeah, yeah. well, uh, now if you you tried this, uh, I tweeted. It looked like they had quite a variety. It was almost like going into the coffee shop. Uh, it looked like in in uh, Amsterdam there. Uh, what, what's the quality uh, like uh, in the variety? Like sort of what? It was amazing, Jerry. When we were out in front of the Tweed store, like I said, I was down there with our good friend, Lauren, who owns a, a Spanish tapas bar around the corner. He catered <clears throat> the whole event during the day. Awesome. And, it, it, you know, it wasn't like uh, young men cloaked in hoodies with bad tattoos and sneaker boots. It yeah. was corporate Canada in wow. place. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to the, the head of their government to <clears throat> affairs for – Eastern Canada, 54 strains will be produced by Canopy Growth. 
wow. at various types of levels of THC and CBD and um, uh, different types of packaging. And uh, I'm not a real, uh, real big guy in it. I, I did try uh, some of a lower grade strain and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's all, you know, uh, it's you, know all you should do Steve, you know, you should do, you, you know, your buddy uh, Campbell does, uh, which I think is hilarious and also quite interesting with the uh, deck beers. Oh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you should go the same thing with, with, with the, uh, the, the different types of, uh, stuff that they have available with different types of marijuana. Jerry, not going to happen. I turned 50 what? this year. <laughs> Ironically enough, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm getting out of that scene, man. Really? No, I don't believe it. <laughs> no way. Not after what happened when, uh, when you came to Dubai to visit me. Uh, that, that's no, just, no, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We won't go there, but um, we won't. No. Well, guys, uh, this has been great. Great catching up with you. And uh, Squash Newfoundland uh, for me is uh, a, a special place in my heart for it. Uh, guys like Feeds, Tulse, all the greats. Uh, the history of the the game in that province is deep and it's rich. And I and I hope uh, we can relive those uh, old days uh, in the future and bring. Uh, hopefully, it sounds like it's going that way. Bring uh, the great game of squash like it was back in the day. Bring it back and and put uh, squash Newfoundland back on the map where it should be. Well, that's what we uh, we hope and aspire for, uh, Jerry. And, and listen, there's lots of guys that we <clears throat> probably didn't mention. Eric Hard out in CBS, yeah. Doctor Leonard Lie. Uh, for his dedication to uh, Squash Newfoundland and Labrador uh, here in, in, in more present day. And um, I'd like to thank you, Jerry, for giving us the opportunity to speak about the old times and uh, get feeds up off the couch and get him, uh, get <laughs> yeah, him downtown. Yeah. We're, well, we're heading down to the bar now for a few pints. A few pints and, and feed, feeds will roll a few up on the way down. Yeah, yeah we'll get by Tweed on the way. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I mean, Feeds. Uh, I mean, we talked about the legends. I mean, Feeds is a guy I I always looked up to, and uh, had one of the I mean, unorthodox game, but one of the the, the best squash games and most difficult guys to play uh, that I've ever played uh, over the years. So, Feeds, thanks for coming onto the podcast. And I miss those uh, good uh, training sessions sessions we used to have, and the good ass whoopings you used to give me uh, back in the day. <laughs> It's not like that, but thanks, you're a real honor. Thank you. Ask us both. Thank you, guys. Uh, talk again soon, and uh, all the best. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Jerry. Yeah. All the best to you and your family, buddy. Good luck. Cheers, mate. Okay, Get back man. on the squash court, guards. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm a little rusty here today after broken social scene last night, but uh, – Probably get back up there Friday or Saturday. All right. Well, the next time I'm home, guaranteed we're playing squash. We're going to take it on, no question. All right, buddy. See you, man. Cheers. See you, guys. Bye-bye. Well, thank you so much, Steve and Dave, for that. That was a lot of fun. Squash Newfoundland, the story, the history, the struggles that they go through currently, but hopefully they'll overcome them. As Steve mentioned, uh, they're trying to uh, – to get something a new club, a new facility uh, up and running, which might inject the type of enthusiasm and uh, popularity for the game that was there for many, many uh, years. And uh, thanks so much for coming on and telling uh, those great stories about the great players and uh, the history of the game in Newfoundland. Now, uh, just a little backstory uh, about the, uh, the legalization of marijuana in Canada. It took place 
and on October 17th, I believe, and the first retail sale of marijuana, the historical first retail sale, took place in St. John's, Newfoundland, which uh, at a retail outlet, as Steve mentioned, called Tweed, which is on the first floor of a building where there's a uh, restaurant owned by a friend of ours, and our friend catered that event, which was covered by all the, the major outlets, uh, news outlets across the country, including uh, the CBC. And when I was, uh, was watching a bit of the footage, I noticed that uh, our good friend was uh, in line uh, looking at the product, uh, which was, uh, I thought, quite funny. Anyways, uh, that was part of the, uh, the episode today, which was a big, uh, big thing across Canada, spearheaded by our young uh, Prime Minister, um, Justin Trudeau. Anyways, everyone, enjoy your, uh, your day. Enjoy your squash. Uh, I'm gonna t- it's a rest day for me. I played uh, twice this week, so I'm going to give it a rest today. Um, we've got some really good episodes coming up, so stay tuned for those. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. Bye-bye now.